Hello. Welcome to the legend of Robin Hood of Sherwood. Chapter 16, Ravenscar. News spread thick and fast throughout England. Robin Hood had defeated the forces of the Bishop of Hereford. Saxons throughout the land cheered, laughed and partied when they heard about the bishops bogging down. And as they cheered for their hero, they prayed for the safe return of good King Richard. And Robin Hood became yet more bold. He and his men raided Evil Hold and released some of Sir Isambart's prisoners. Four men were freed for the price of a broken arm for Will Scarlet. Not only that, the key to the postern gate of Evil Hold was pinched and handed to Robin Hood. This, thought Robin, could end up being a very useful theft. When news of this daring raid reached the provinces, Robin and his men were revered with something approaching awe. Some said they must have God on their side. Some thought they were simply magicians. Many came and sought help from the leader of Sherwood. Many were helped. And then, one day, arrived in Sherwood, Walter of Ravenscar. Robin recognised him instantly, as he was known to be one of Yorkshire's best archers. Robin Hood, King of the Outlaws, Master of Sherwood, said Walter. I need your help. I'm at your service, Walter of Ravenscar. How can we help you? My great friend Sir Gerth of Ravenscar holds a castle. He's one of the last Saxons who is still lord of his own lands. His family were granted the castle by Red William, and even Prince John doesn't dare take it. But now the castle's in danger. Damon the monk and his pirates are ravaging the coast near it. We've heard that he will storm the fortress and take it in ten days' time. He has too many men for us to withstand, and so we reached out to the Norman knights and lords for help. None will help us. Prince John and his cronies may be too scared to take Ravenscar by force, but they will happily sit back and watch it fall to a pirate. Robin turned to his men, who had gathered round to hear the tale. Well, shall we help save Ravenscar? The raucous cheer which followed said it all. Within a couple of hours, all but a dozen or so of the merry men were on their way to the North Yorkshire coast. Will Scarlet, still recovering from his injury, was left in charge. Marion, Beatrice and Lucy also remained in Robber's Glade. Meanwhile, three of the freedmen from Evil Hold went home to their families. One, however, had another course of action in mind. He'd overheard one of the merry men talk about Robber's Glade. He knew Sherwood well, and he reckoned he'd worked out where the outlaw's lair was located. Instead of going home grateful for his freedom, he decided he could profit from his knowledge. Boldly, he marched up to the gates of the castle from whose dungeons he had so recently been released. Sir Isambard de Balaam was very surprised to see him. You? Back again so soon? Your cell is still warm. Guards, take him down. But the snivelling man replied, Sir Isambard, I know where Robin Hood's secret hideout is. Better than that, I know he's away and the fair maid Marion has been left there virtually unguarded. If I tell you what you need to know, will you reward me richly? Sir Isambard smiled an evil smile. If what you say is true, then there will be no more dungeons for you. And yes, I will have you suitably rewarded. If you're lying to me, though, I will have you skinned alive and hung out for the birds to feed on. I will send for my men. Get ready to lead us to Robin of Loxley's secret home. The merry men of Sherwood made it to Ravenscar in plenty of time. They made themselves at home in the castle and began to eat poor Gerth out of house and home. The following evening, Robin and Walter made their way down to the beach where it was thought that Damon was to land. If everything Walter had heard was true, then this was the night. This was the time when Ravenscar would be attacked. 
the rest of the merry men watched the beach from strategic positions on the slopes on either side of the bay. And they waited, and waited, and waited. Three hours before dawn, Friar Tuck and Little John approached Robin. He's not coming, said the portly priest. He will come, said Walter quietly, but forcefully. He'd better, said Little John. I'm getting hungry. Hungry? Hungry? scoffed the friar. You've had three venison pies and half a gallon of ale already. The rest of us have had a couple of bites and a mere gulp or two. Pah! replied John. One of your gulps could float a pirate ship. Like that one, you mean? said Robin. The others turned. Robin Hood pointed out to sea. There, in the distance, was the nose of a vessel. The men of Sherwood hid themselves well. Little John and Friar Tuck stopped arguing and concealed themselves silently. Robin and Walter made their ways to their allotted positions and watched as the ship made its way to shore. It was a Norse longboat, long and narrow, with banks of oars on each side. It was painted entirely jet black, and the only colour the men could make out in the gloom was the bright red hat worn by the man who was steering the craft. This was Damon the monk. He's going to beach her on the shore, plunder the castle, and then escape the smoking ruins of Girth's home at the next high tide, whispered Walter to Robin. Not if I have anything to do about it. Walter was right. The ship glided to a halt, almost sideways on the beach. Robin and Walter could hear the shouted commands as Damon bid his men to lift the boat out of the water and onto the sand. The lifters, though, had a shock in store for them. Ten of them fell to the archers. The outlaws then threw down their bows and drew their swords. With a deafening shout that would have terrified the army of Alexander the Great, they charged towards the pirate ship. It was far too late for the oarsmen to simply dive back onto the ship and row away. It seems they were not actually ready for the fight at all. The reputation of Damon the monk was such that they'd never actually had to do any fighting before. They'd been able to beach the boat, pillage, loot and burn, reboard with the takings and be back home in time for tea and treasure. No actual hand-to-hand combat had ever taken place. In fact, it had been so long since the pirates had done any real pirating at sea that they were not battle-hardened at all. Damon the monk, though, was made of sterner stuff. He grabbed his massive battle-axe and shouted, Arm yourselves, men! The men, now all back on the beached ship, did just that. They felt safer on their seaborne fortress, even if it wasn't actually seaborne at that moment. Damon saw the outlaws had arrived at the side of the ship, and he leant over and swung his axe at the head of the largest and nearest. Little John ducked, and the axe arced past his ear harmlessly. By now the side of the boat was swarming with outlaws. Robin and Walter were first aboard, jumping onto the stern. Friar Tuck launched his huge bulk into the middle of the deck and landed with such a thump the whole ship seemed to shake. The fighting friar wielded an axe that was even bigger than that swung by Damon. Ah! yelled the frightening churchman and ran with surprising speed towards Damon the monk. Attack! Attack! Ah! Damon's golden yellow beard shone in the moonlight. He shouted just as loud as the friar and swung his mighty axe. Tuck parried with his still mightier one. Then he lifted his weapon over his head and brought it down with all his might towards Damon's head. The pirate monk was equal to it and parried, but the blow was so strong that it split the shaft of Damon's axe and sent the head flying. Damon escaped the clutches of Brother Michael and tried to find another weapon. By now, all of Robin's men were aboard the ship. Little John and a small party of outlaws struck down six of the pirates before they had time to land a blow. Then they cut their way through the men to the mainmast where Robin, 
much the miller's son and Walter were at the centre of a vicious sword fight. The pirates seemed to have found some energy from somewhere. From the depths of their collective memory, they recalled how to fight. It was grim and terrible work, and Robin watched more than one good man fall at the hands of Damon's band. Robin Hood started to fret. It was clear that his men were much better fighters than the battle-rusty pirates, but they were outnumbered, and the boatmen were regaining their abilities. Suddenly, though, the pirates seemed to recoil in fear. Robin Hood wondered what was going on. He got the answer from Walter. Girth! A girth to the rescue! Sir Girth of Ravenscar had not been able to sit tight inside his castle. He'd heard the savageness of the fighting and realised that Robin and his men needed help. He'd gathered up the small number of troops and various workers he had at his disposal and urged them to get to the beach as soon as possible. The men had rallied behind him and now here they were on the beach scaling the sides of a pirate ship. Damon shouted his orders and his encouragement. He tried to galvanise his forces and urge them to fight on, but they were becoming tired. Girth and his men were fresh and eager. Robin and his merry men were galvanised by the reinforcements. As the sun rose on the beach, the men of Sherwood and the men of Ravenscar cut the pirates down to the last four men. Robin called on the attackers to cease fighting. Damon the monk, you have fought bravely, but it is now time to yield. Yield? And be hung at my own mast? I think not. The pirate captain launched himself at Robin, swinging his axe with all his might. Robin dodged and parried and tried to persuade him to give up. Damon seemed to be possessed, and there was certainly no doubting his courage. Robin Hood avoided all of the blows and waited for Damon to tire and make a mistake. Eventually, of course, he did. Damon the monk slipped as he stretched to deal yet another blow. Before he could recover his footing, Robin had cleaved his head, yellow flowing beard and all, from his shoulders. Girth of Ravenscar stood before Robin. A great fight and a great victory. Thank you, Robin Hood. Men will sing of this for many a year. Let us drink ale and celebrate. Friar Tuck produced a flagon of the good stuff from somewhere in his robes. God only knows how he managed to fight and carry around that much ale, but he did. Robin, Walter, Girth and the Friar drank deep. But not all was happy news. 120 outlaws had followed Robin Hood to Yorkshire. Only 70 would be returning. 20 of his men were dead and 30 too badly injured to walk back home. The Merry Men and the Men of Ravenscar stripped the pirate ship of everything of any value. Robin gave it all to Girth, telling him the only reward his men needed was shelter and care for the injured until they were well enough to travel. Girth, of course, agreed to look after Robin's wounded, but demanded that Robin take half of the loot. It was agreed. The dead were buried and the ship was burned on the beach. The beach which would forever after be known as Robin Hood's Bay. A few days later, the uninjured merry men prepared to return to Nottinghamshire in good spirits. They mourned their dead, but they knew they had saved one of the very few Saxon strongholds. As they were about to leave, though, little John spotted a mounted man approaching. The man was dressed in a rather fetching red outfit. Will Scarlet, he exclaimed. What's he doing here? And what was he doing there? He was there to bring bad news. While Robin, Little John and the rest had been away, Robber's Glade had been found by Sir Isambard de Balaam. A hundred men had burned everything in it, and worse had carried off Maid Marian and five of the Merry Men. Where they were now, presumably, was at Evil Hold. Robin Hood, worried and furious, borrowed as many horses as Sir Girth could muster. There were twenty-two. 
Robin, Little John, Will Scarlet and twenty others rode back towards Nottinghamshire. Friar Tuck led the rest as they marched the same way. It would take them a little while longer to get there than the horsemen. In fact, Robin and the other horsemen were looking at the foreboding walls of Evil Hold within just three days. Robin Hood sat, mounted, silently gazing at the dark walls. Little John rode up and joined him. He pointed at the outer wall of the stronghold. Look, in some ways we're too late already. On the outer wall was a framework. From the framework dangled five figures. The five captured men had been executed by Sir Isambart. Robin turned to John. I will send this evil place flaming to the sky, so that honest men may breathe and live more freely. No longer will men and women tremble at the name Isambart de Belarm. It's time for this to end. He's murdered five of our friends in cold blood. I will not rest until this evil man is as lifeless as they are. We need to wait for the friar, counselled Little John. We will wait until tomorrow. They should be here by the evening. By the morning, I will have a plan. Oh, who's that? asked John, suddenly pointing to a knight riding towards them from the direction of the castle. The knight was tall and imposing, and dressed entirely in black. Even his armour was black, and very expensive looking. The horse he rode was mighty, and of course, black. The knight seemed to show no fear as he approached Robin and Little John. He had a huge battle axe hanging from his saddle, but he made no attempt to grasp it. Robin spoke. Why are you riding this way? The knight replied. His voice was quiet and commanding. I do as I like, and tonight I would like shelter in that forest for my horse and for me. Why don't you seek shelter in that castle? The owner is a Norman, and so from your accent are you. Any friend of Prince John will be welcome there. Prince John's affairs and mine are close, replied the knight somewhat enigmatically. Then go to the castle, and we will have the pleasure of killing you as well as the evil inhabitants when we storm it tomorrow. Get gone. There are more than twenty of us, and if you don't go, we will kill you now. Ah, replied the Black Knight. I say that Prince John's affairs and my own are close, but I am not John's man. In fact, I may even help you take this castle. I will eat with you if you will feed me, and we can discuss the plan. You will state your reasons as to why you want to attack a Norman castle, and I will decide whether to aid you. The Black Knight's voice had an air of authority. Robin considered his words, and realising a heavily armed Norman knight would be a useful asset for a castle storming, acquiesced. Slowly and carefully, he explained that Sir Isambard de Balaam had hung five of his men, and currently held his future wife, Marion Fitzwalter, as his prisoner. He had burned the homes of simple Saxons for no reason other than late payment of debts. Robin explained he didn't hate all Normans, in fact he knew some good ones. He told the tale of Sir Richard of Lee, and how he had aided that fine knight against Abbot Hugo. The Black Knight listened intently. When he heard about Sir Richard, he grinned, and told Robin he knew him, and knew him to be a fine man. When the explanation was over, Robin asked the knight if he would help him. He told him there would be no ill will if he chose not to. They'd eaten together, and he could go free. "'I will help you,' replied the Black Knight. "'It's time these robber barons were taught a lesson. "'But how will you take the castle?' I can't see twenty men storming a fortress like that. Yes, good Robin, replied Little John. How? We can't just scratch a hole in the wall with our fingernails. Robin? queried the knight. What's your whole name? I am known as Robin Hood. The black knight smiled, although no one would have noticed because he still had his helmet on. 
Even while he was eating the food, he hadn't fully taken his helmet off. Yes, I've heard of you. I will honour my promise, but still I don't see how twenty men can take this castle. I have fifty more coming tomorrow, and I have this. Robin produced the key to the postern gate. I will lead a few men into the castle by the postern gate. Then I will open the main gate and the rest of the men can attack. I would like you to lead the main party. OK, agreed the Black Knight, but where are these fifty men coming from? They are marching from Yorkshire after our attack on Damon the Monk and his pirates. The Black Knight's eyes gleamed from within his helmet. You dared to go against that great pirate? Yes, we killed him and we burnt his ship. So you've rid our coasts of that thief, replied the Black Knight thoughtfully. Robin seemed to be getting a bit tired of the conversation. Just who are you? he asked slightly snappishly. Why are you helping us? Maybe one day you will know my name, but now it's time to sleep, so we'll be ready for our mission. And with that, the Black Knight settled himself down for the night. Robin sat up for a while, wondering. He wondered how Marion was faring, imprisoned by Sir Isambart. He wondered if Friar Tuck and the rest of the men would arrive in time. Most of all, he wondered why an unknown Norman knight was going to give his aid to the outlaws of Sherwood. Next time, we will see how Robin, Little John, Friar Tuck, the Black Knight and the rest get on in their storming of evil hold. So, have a great couple of weeks and I'll speak to you next time.